What's going on? Welcome back to the show. You're listening to the Blair Wheeler Project. I'm slowly getting used to calling it that. Today's guest, we got two Eric's. Eric Mitchell, head brewer, brewmaster, director of beer, whatever his title is, at Piner's Brewery, and Eric Kuster. I hope I said that right, Eric, from Pinehurst. He's a VP of marketing, I believe is his official title. But it's a great pod. We get into it. We talk about Piner's Brewery, the origins of it, the beer, the what inspires Eric Mitchell to bring in these different flavors and, and all of that. And one of my favorite parts of the episode, because I'm not really a beer drinker, we talk about the U.S. Open and Pinehurst becoming the anchor site for all future U.S. Opens for the next 40 years. So hang tight. Let's get this thing paid for. We'll run through a couple ads and then get into it with the Eric's from Pinehurst. Today's episode of Golf and Stuff is brought to you by X Endurance. Now, I know what you're thinking. X Endurance doesn't sound like a very golfy name or it's not like a golf brand per se, but it's a supplement company. They're based out of Arizona. Arizona is a hotbed for golf. And I've been using the brand and the products for a, about a month now. And I've been completely blown away. You know, my daily energy levels are up. My uh, mental focus is up. I struggle with ADD myself. I'm not diagnosed with it, but I know I have it. I struggle with ADD. X endurance, their focus, their creatine, and their specifically their extreme endurance has made a drastic impact on me personally. You know, I used to use a pre-workout powder that I took right before I worked out, and my face would start tingling, and I know it was time to go. But then there would be a crash at two or three o'clock in the afternoon. With X endurance, there's none of that. It's sustained energy. It's clean energy. It's great stuff. It helps you function better. I use it before workouts. I use it before golf, all the time. So if you're in the market for new supplements, check out X Endurance and you can shop X Endurance at shop.teamxnd.com backslash Blair Wheeler. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. We're here live, Piner's Brewery with Eric Kuster. You got it. Nice. And Eric Mitchell. Uh, Eric Mitchell, what's your title? Director of Beer? Beer (laughs) Guru? What what is it? The uh, king of yeah. beer. Let's go. Let's go with uh, just brewmaster. Brewmaster. That's most universally accepted term. Brewmaster. I like that. And so, Eric, other Eric, what's yep. your 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 yep. official title at Pinehurst is? Uh, my official title is vice president of sales and business development. All it means is that I'm in charge of finding and generating revenue. Awesome. Yeah. Which at this place is actually quite easy. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, that's my that's my official title. Awesome. Yeah, every time I've been up here to Pinehurst, I love it up here. Everybody that follows me on Instagram, listens to the podcast, know I absolutely rave about it. And you guys don't ask me or pay me or do anything. It just I freaking love it at Pinehurst. Um, so the the brewery is itself where we are now, where we're recording, is so special. I think because the food's great. It, everybody asks me every time I get the uh, brisket burger. And everybody should because it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and the beer's good. But I was just telling both Eric's, I'm not the biggest beer snob. I'm like the Coors Light guy. <laughs> What's the closest thing, the lightest beer you have, or a wine? Um, yeah. So, question to both of you guys 
there's a lot of beers here. There's a, you get a lot of people into the resort from all over the world. What's the biggest challenge you have when creating a beer, creating an atmosphere like this to cater to everybody? Yeah, we, this place is extremely unique in the fact that the clientele that we have is, is, is as diverse a crowd as you'll probably see in any brewery in America. And I mean, that's, that's due to, you know, we've got the resort guests, we've got the, you know, retirees here, we've got the young military crowds. It seriously is probably the most diverse crowd you'll ever see. So obviously we're not catering to one of those, you know, crowds, but we do have to have stuff for everybody. Yeah. And you just described yourself as the, what's the closest thing you have to tours life. <laughs> and, and like, I love that guy because when I, when I look at that and I hear that, I just think of all the, all the doors we're about to open for that person. Yeah. And uh, I'd much rather have that guy come up to the bar than the, so you know why they call it an IPA, right? Like, <laughs> I don't want that guy. So I just, you know, we, we always have beer for those people because that's, that's really probably I mean, I'm going to say 30% of our clientele come in and ask that exact question. Oh, cool. So I'm not alone. No, not, not even. No, we're alone. I'm alone. <laughs> but so it's just fun to watch people really kind of gravitate towards styles that I didn't see having that big of an impact here, like a, like a Saison, which is typically a nerdier style of beer that's really resonated with people here and the locals. And um, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been unique. It's been yeah, a challenge. Definitely. So one of the things that I think and correct me if I'm wrong, brewing beer is similar to wine, right? Like you have your different hints and your different notes. And I love wine. I'm a red wine drinker. I love a tobacco-y, smokier, drier red wine. Mm-hmm. Do you do that with brewing beer? Um, I mean, I guess in its simplest form, due to the nature of fermentation, they're similar. But um, honestly, I think even like most vintners, winemakers would tell you that, that beer is, is, is so much more specific mm-hmm. and uh, easy to alter and, and just a, a much broader ingredient spectrum yeah. than wines. I mean, when you think about making a wine, you're, you have grapes that either you've harvested or are sent down to you, and that's what you have to work with. Now, you can add sugar, you can back sweeten it with, with numerous things, and you can change the the pH and stuff to get what you want from that as far as like dryness goes, but really there's not a lot of altering that you can do to it. Yeah. So when you're brewing a new beer, you, you just said batch sweetening. Back sweetening. Back sweetening. Yeah. Uh, pretty much the same. Batch, back sweetening a batch would just mean, say you have something that's extremely dry on your palate, it's very, it's a tanning bomb. Just, yeah. You know, yeah. You know, just leave you dry and you're going to want, you know, this big fatty steak to cut through it. Well, you can choose the back sweetening with, let's say, it's dextrose or some type of table sugar or honey yeah. or something like that just to kind of cut it. That reminds me, my, one of my more favorite beers that Mitchell has created, there have been many, but uh, I Want It Now was a, I, I don't want to even go here on the description side because I'll botch it, but it was a fruit forward to use Blair's uh, wine vocab here but yeah. that was phenomenal T- tell us about so i want it now that was I, and I'm, I'm sorry we do a lot of that's the blueberry beer yeah yeah it's the blueberry beer so is that the one that was purple it was yeah it was extremely yeah cool. uh, i remember that one so good yeah so i mean we, you know we uh, i take a lot of pride in, in trying to source locally and last year we processed over 7,500 pounds of local fruit so when it's fruit season, I get really excited. I mean, I'm, I'm the guy that's looking at like elderberry bushes on the side of the road, so I can go pick them. So it's, you turn for persimmon. I know where they all are, man. You right. just let me know. 
Um, so we put a lot of pride in, in sticking, you know, very close to home and uh, trying to source real fruit uh, during fruit season. And that particular beer I wanted now was a, a blueberry wheat beer. Yeah. And that we added, uh, it was over 2,000 pounds of local blueberries. And we knew it had blueberries the same as you would add grapes. We let it sit on, you know, what's called the lees and, and really extract the flavor from it. But yeah. to that point, really quick, we do have an oin beer. And it's the first oin beer we've ever done here, which is, uh, it's, it's a mixture between beer and wine. So it's actually a 50-50 mix. Ooh. We can't go over 50% of, of wine must because we, we have a brewer's license. Yeah. But we do have a, uh, it's all local scuppernongs, which are a muscadine grape varietal here that's just a little bigger. Yeah. Um, it's a native grape to, you know, to here. It's, it's pretty sweet. You've had a scuppernong or yeah. muscadine wine. So it's, it's pretty cool beer. It's, it's ext- I think you'd like it if you like white wine, if you like dry white wines. But uh, it's, it's really unique. And we just had a farmer show up about four weeks ago and tell us she had 50 gallons of scuppernongs. Perfect. Okay, well, what do you want for them? Well, I'll be trying that when I come to eat here uh, and order the uh, the barbecue brisket burger tomorrow night. Awesome. I'll try the 50 wine beer. Um, so, with everything going on in the resort, like the cradles popping, the U.S. Open would come in here as an as an anchor site, or using Pinehurst as an anchor site. Are you working on any beers for the next few years that's going to be around? U.S. Open time, U.S. Open theme beer, or or what's going on there? Yeah, so I mean, along those lines, we've we've done collaborations with with Tide West when they come in. We've done stuff for you know Trek Golik and Wingo, and um, on that front, obviously, it's going to be pretty monumental in twenty four and going forward. Um, so we would we would have to make a beer to commemorate that. Cool. Uh, just as we made the Hefemeyer Hefeweizen last year for the. Um, mm. The tournament that we had at Oval yeah. Tree, I think, ended up winning and signing yeah. the Crowler up for us. So it's cool. Um, yeah, we'll do it. yeah, for sure, we'll do something cool. Awesome, awesome. So that's a, a good segue into the Pinehurst U.S. Open conversation. So, Houston, what is it? What goes into Pinehurst becoming the St. Andrews of the Open to to the USGA and to the the U.S. Open, right? Like. Right. We're going to be seeing, like, I love Pinehurst, and I say we here because I feel like I'm right. a part of the Pinehurst too, um, for some reasons I, I won't get into on the podcast. You, Eric, no, Houston knows. Um, so, what goes into the fact that Pinehurst is going to yeah. be the anchor site for the U.S. Open for the next 40, 50 years? Yeah. Um, a lot of trust goes into that equation. Um, you know, it was only, what, 20 years ago when Piners hosted their first U.S. Open, 99. Yeah. And Is that the one Payne won? Was, yeah, Payne won it on the 18th hole in dramatic fashion. You can see I'm embracing Phil Mickelson saying, you're going to be a great father. It was an incredible moment in all of sports. But that that proved a lot, Blair. That proved that 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 Pinehurst could host a major U.S. Open. I mean, we're, here we are in rural North Carolina. We're an hour from major metropolitan area. Mm-hmm. There's no skyscrapers in downtown Pinehurst. There's no corporate headquarters here. And, oh, by the way, it was big grass back then. It wasn't this, you know, durable strand of bringing grass as it is now. So there's a lot of unproven methodologies that went into 99. On the backside of that, it was very successful yeah. economically, uh, agronomically. So... 
it takes a lot of good partners to get a U.S. Open accomplished, and I think we proved that we could partner with state leaders, and we created the what's now known as the President's Council, which basically are leaders of industry that help us uh, sell hospitality. So um, I think we've, we've earned our trust with the USGA. Uh, as Eric Mitchell mentioned, the US Amateur last year, first time ever we had hosted the final round for USAM on two different courses. Yeah. So innovation has always been a shared word between us and the USGA. Back-to-back -back US Opens in 2014, never been done before, very successful. So now to stop and think, okay, it's 2020, and so in four years we're gonna host another US Open, and then from 2024 to 40, it's incredible. It's amazing. So, and Tom Pashy likes to say, you know, and we all get this question now, when is, when's the US Open come back to Pioneers? Now you can say, well, for the next two decades. So it, it is, it's, it's incredibly, um, honoring to, to have that um, prestige kind of anointed on us and it puts us I think Blair I think I'll say this with every ounce of humility in my, in my body it does put us on the same playing field as St. Andrews oh I agree to have the USGA have you know, their HQ2 here on our campus just like St. Andrews Links Trust is to St. Andrews to have those core values on the same physical landmark is really really cool yeah I think so too it, it like, I'm a history nerd across the, the, the spectrum, right? Um, and I think the fact that there's so much history in Piners from, like, the shooting club back in the day to this is a vacation spot for other people in the Northeast. If you, if you stay at the resort, you turn on the TV, it just plays and it tells you all the history of Piners, which I love and I think is really cool. All that history is there. All the golf history is here. And now we're bringing the U.S. Open history here, too. And we are, Pinehurst is going to become, like, or is, the, U, the anchor site, just yeah. like St. Andrews. It's amazing. Yeah, it's cool. And, and um, a, lot, a lot of those historical things you're talking about also guide our future. Mm -hmm. I mean, to take it full circle back to this building that we're sitting in, I mean, it was a left-for-dead warehouse steam plant. Um, that had a lot of historical relevance to the town. I mean, it provided steam, power, a source of power to hotels and, and houses and um, commercial facilities. And then now it's now it's providing a different type of power. But all everything we're doing the last five six years has been one eye on the past, but also on the future. Yeah. Staying relevant to today's travelers, to today's consumers, but also making sure that we honor you know, our roots. So Definitely. it's been fun. So on that note, what is something that maybe the public doesn't know that you guys are working on that honors the past, but also elevates the resort for the years to come? You, you mentioned off the podcast about some changes to into the cradle. And yeah. Get into that, but what are some of the things that the resort, the brewery, y'all are working on to make the, the guy that came to Pinehurst last year on his buddy's trip come back and say, man, that was really cool. I'm glad they added that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we've done so much the last three or four years. It's, it's hard to, I mean, we, we want to continue to evolve. Um, and we're always looking at where we can improve, uh, whether that's with on the beer creation side or the experiential side. So one thing that I'm excited about that you just uh, referenced is the cradle. I mean, the cradle is a phenomenon. 
I mean, it's, yeah. it's 789 yards long. It's nine par threes, and it's been the most transformational project, I think, that we've done since the restoration number two. Yeah. It's my opinion. Um, what it's done for the game of golf, what it's done for the fun factor that uh, how people perceive Pinehurst and it, it's it's lowered the the barriers of entry the intimidation factor of golf um, so just been an incredible success story for Pinehurst with that we have to continue to challenge ourselves and say okay it's super popular how do we make it better so we're going to actually build a small I'll call it a comfort station kind of mini pavilion and it's basically going to allow for the player on the cradle or just a you know a bystander an observer to hang out there and enjoy the scenery enjoy the sunset um, have a little actual bar set up out there the pine cone is super cool but the pine cone might be able to, to be more mobile you know in, in this case so the pine cone has always been attached to the brain experience of the cradle but now we might be able to move the pine cone around and take it to the to Maniac Hill or take it to the first tee of number two or to the Donna Ross, the Dornick Cottage for, for an event. So yeah. this comfort station, um, you know, small pavilion that we're working on will be another additive element for the cradle that'll, that'll just continue to accentuate that, that experience. Awesome. Awesome. So with that, what are some, this is for both of y'all, what are some of your favorite experiences that you guys have been a part of so far, Mitchell? Like, yeah. With, with the brewery, what would... What, with the brewery, with the wow. resort, with golf, but what, what are some of your favorite experiences in your time Great here? question. It's, uh, it's a big one. I mean, we've had some, what I would consider for me in my career, monumental experiences so far. I mean, a few that stick out um, are just the, the people I've met, just as a course of nature through this job, traveling out and, and attending the ringer at Sweden's Cove, and um, just seeing a, a totally different side of the game that I never knew I was going to be addicted to before I came here and experienced yeah. And that just being the, the, the in-depth culture. I mean, that, to me, that's, that's priceless. And yeah. uh, it goes all, you know, Sugarloaf Social Club guys and the, the, sweet, the no laying up people. And I mean, yeah, we've, I've met some cool people and played golf with some really cool people, but I, I think what I'm going to take away from everything has got to be the, the experiences yeah and that's one thing I think is overlooked in the game of golf like you see the PGA Tour you guys are playing for millions of dollars every week you have guys going on, on buddies trips or whatever you're playing at your local club wherever you are in the country or the world but going out traveling meeting new people like you said the Swedens or like the no laying up guys coming here and doing an event or, or whatever else it's just overlooked in the game and it's not done enough Right, like you, I only enough people go travel and, and play and experience something that isn't their local course that they play yeah. every Saturday. You know? Yeah. Yep. Um, I think similar to what Mitchell just said. It, you know, when you can take your, and I know Mitchell supports this statement. When you can make your passion your vacation, it it's really really special. Yeah. This guy's like an artisan like of his craft but I'm just a sales and marketing guy I just don't, you know, but, <laughs> Me too. but but I, I do really think seriously I, I, to come to work at this place every day for me it's, it's a dream job um, and you meet so many people you know you get I mean every single day or every week that goes by someone's texting us and saying 
hey, bro, I'm coming in town this week. Let's catch up. Or, hey, bro, let's, you know, I want to come see you. You know, can you, can you, can you throw, can you throw your brother a good rate? Yeah. And like, we should complain about that. People yeah. are wanting to come to Piners to create memories, to have fun, to celebrate something, to hang with their bros, to do a bachelor party, whatever, to have yeah. a family reunion, whatever it is. And that's what is so cool about hospitality. I didn't, I kind of backed into hospitality. Um, I didn't really know exactly what I was. I was that guy in college who was like, yeah, I guess I could like, you know, go work in insurance or real estate or, you know, whatever. And I just like, no, I, I was attracted to you know, being around people. And I knew I wanted to be attached to golf. Never my wildest dreams that I think I'd be here 16 years later doing what I think is a dream job and you know, having fun doing it. It's, it's <laughs> I mean, it's, as, as Mitchell knows, this place, has we've almost like kind of with leadership with Bob Demons ownership with with Tom Tom's vision and his passion we've kind of revolutionized it in a way you know what I mean like because I've been here a lot longer than, than Eric has but even even since he got here since this brewery originated and was created we've done things that I five years ago I, I did not foresee I, it's truthfully I mean, I just well, I, mean, I came here five years ago for the right. first time ever. I came right. to play too, and and for me at that time, as 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 a golfer and, and somebody that was going to come out here with a buddy, you know, buddy's golf trip. I think for me the transition has been made to to like an annual buddy's trip coming out here versus just simply a, a bucket list that right. you you knock off and do it yeah. once, you know, once once in a lifetime. And that's that's really what we're starting to see is repeat guests. People that come out here, such as yourself, you come out here three, four times a year, and, and these annual golf trips that these people are doing, and I mean, you got to keep innovating, right? You got to yeah. keep innovating, but I mean, that's being done. Yeah, well, that's easier for me because I'm two hours away. Sure, right in Wilmington. Yeah, right. like it's easier for me to get in the car, drive up uh, Highway One, be here yeah. in two and a half. Hours. But you still have options. I, mean, I have you options. still have options. It's true. But the thing that I think is, is so cool, and to your point, Tom's vision has been so impactful, right? Like when I first met Tom probably three years ago, uh, the way that he talked about, that we were, we were he, he met me on the cradle. I had just watched, I was doing something with a Piners Instagram and I just saw a guy hit a hole in one on number nine. And I ran up, I talked to him and Tom came out there and talked to me because he saw it on Instagram or whatever. And the way that he talked about how impactful the cradle was and how they, like everybody said, you are absolutely crazy for changing a driving range into a yeah. 728 yeah. yard yeah. par yeah. three course, right? right. And, and dumping millions of dollars into it. Right. Like, he literally changed the game of golf and I see people all over the country. There's a course in Wilmington now, uh, it just got sold to a brewer, right? He ran um, like a, an app for breweries. Not, not untapped or one of those, but a different one. And I'll Google it after the thing. But he just bought Belvedere Country Club. It's an old like dog track golf course. And he's totally renovated it, and that's cool. I I don't know if he's doing it in the vein of the cradle, but it seems that way when you talk to him about it. It's gonna they're gonna have music, yeah, a lot like pizza oven, like places you can hang out, mm -hmm. and then you can play in eighteen holes, you can play twelve holes, you can play six holes, or you can just play like their little par three course they're gonna have, it's, or in like a three hundred sixty degree driving range or something. Like it's crazy. But I think that the way that you guys have innovated yeah. and innovated the cradle and brought the brewery and innovated the way that people think about buddy strips, it just brings people back. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it does. And 
Tom's so modest, he, he, he won't take credit for the cradle. Um, it was, it was the, a shared vision of a lot of people, including Bob Farron, um, who's our head of agronomy here. But it does take a concerted effort from top down to, to say, we've got a great product, but it can be better. Because um, what, <clears throat> what we have here is not broken, but it's like, it's how do we continue to, to, to move forward and lean into our, you know, our, not just our roots, but also how do we continue to get people to come here and experience something new and something different. And like yesterday, we, we, had, a, we had a little executive team meeting at the Nest. Yep. I mean, that's, that's, that's cool. That's pretty cool that you have a, that I, that we have a boss uh, that has that kind of like vibe. He's like, hey, hey let's just get out. Let's, let's get away from the boardroom and go to the Nest. The Nest, by the way, for the listeners, is, is the halfway house that is shared between courses two and four. Um, and then we've got, uh, it's actually a, it, it pays homage to the very first clubhouse of Piner's Country Club. So it's a, it's a two-tier kind of open air. Uh, and then the second level is is you go up there and you get a, you get panoramic views of number four and number two. It's a really cool place to just sip on a nice little transfusion and hang out for a little bit. But yep. um, just That's something small that we've done recently that you kind of almost forget about. But the nest is cool. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So wrapping up, like we kind of went over what's in the future for Piners, um, but I mean. What can we expect to see during the U.S. Open, right? Like, I know that's four years away. That's yeah. you probably right. still don't you don't might not know the answer to that question. No, no. But what can we expect to see? Are we gonna see some like crazy things that Pinehurst and the USGA dream up and execute in twenty twenty four? You may you may see you may see a new lodging product. You, you, fin- you finally got out of me. Blair, you finally got me to talk long enough so I could cough up something that <laughs> probably shouldn't be talking about. But you may, you may see a new, a small footprint lodge experience that could perhaps, maybe you, you're sitting on your your balcony and you're overlooking the cradle from this potential lodge that we've been talking about. So that's the USJ is is. They are re- they're trying to reimagine how they can do hospitality yeah. in 2024. I mean, hospitality is, for, for golf has changed in terms of mass gatherings because of the environment we're in. Hopefully that will dissipate over the coming years. But I do think they're going to be looking at how they activate the, the client hospitality in 2024. And, it, man, it would be cool to sit here and think about could we – if our business does continue to come back as it has shown the last several months, could we do something in, in conjunction with them in the form of a new lodge somewhere on the clubhouse side of the, of the campus? Yeah, so that would be cool from a golf fan perspective, which yeah. at the end of the day, I am, right? Yeah. I, that would be cool, like thinking about like Disney or something or Westworld, right? right? You right. have that experience where you go and you're completely just thrown in to the experience right. of the USGA, the US Open and Pioneers. I mean, that would be. Yeah, that's the one. Other than Bryson DeChambeau probably driving every par four, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how we can. Now it used to be Tiger proofing golf courses. Now it's like DeChambeau proofing, but Bryson proofing. Um, I don't know if you can stretch out number two. The good news is the greens are always the you know, the last line of fence. But yeah. Um, so yeah, that's we we've got some planning to do on that front, but. Rest assured, we're, we're not going to get complacent. 
um, our owner and our our president will allow that. They'll continue to stay curious and they'll continue to challenge guys like Eric Mitchell and myself to, to move the needle, right? That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. <laughs> That's, why I'm here. <laughs> That's why it's double, double brewing capacity the last 12 months. So we're always pushing. Perfect. 140 percent. 140 percent. Wow, that's a lot more than double. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> not a math guy. Yeah, <laughs> not a math guy. I went to Coastal Carolina. I didn't teach math there, but that's definitely more than double. Yeah. So uh, awesome, guys. Well, thank you for the time. Thank you for uh, having me here at Pinehurst, and always welcome you me back. Every time glad I walk in, you. welcome back to Pinehurst. Welcome. Thanks. Glad, so glad to have you, man. Thanks for the time. Yes, sir. What are you doing? You're still here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of the Golf and Stuff podcast. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you listening. Please give it a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify. If you have any uh, guests you want to hear from, send me a message on Instagram or other social media platforms. But for real, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you listening and look forward to the next episode.